Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast episode is going to be recapping week two where the Jets lose to the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas 10-30. to And the game was ugly on the defensive side of the ball. It was ugly on the offensive side of the ball. And aside from one or two big plays in this one, the Jets couldn't get much going. So there's not a lot of positives in this one, but we got to kind of go through everything. This podcast is going to be recapping the game against the Cowboys. I'm going to talk about the offensive and defensive issues and concerns that I see right now. Talk a little bit about the positives on both sides of the balls that we saw. I'm going to review the special teams, pick our three players of the game, do a what's on tap, and that's going to be it for this one. We're going to move pretty quickly. In this 2023 format, I'm splitting the podcast episodes into two. So instead of doing a review and preview episode together for like an hour, it's going to be a review episode, this one today, and then I'm going to have a Patriots preview coming out on Thursday morning, probably about 5 a.m. it'll be available. So it's going to be split into two shorter, more digestible episodes and uh, we got to just get through this Cowboys game. It was a mess. I mean, early in the game, I think there were signs of hope, and there were some spots where we thought, like, hey, maybe if something went our way, if we had a big play. But the big plays never came for the Jets, and the Cowboys got plenty of them, and they were extremely efficient moving the ball through the air. They were able to stop our running attack, most of our passing attack, and they came out of this thing with an easy 10-30 to 30 win. Now, before I get into everything, I want to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It is part of the Fans First Sports Network. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. All right, so let's get into this this Cowboys review. Um, I think the worst part of this whole thing is that when this year began, I was, like, pretty excited to finally do a season of the podcast where the Jets were going to probably have some pretty good offensive showings and the offense would be able to keep up with the defense a little bit and the team as a whole would be balanced and successful with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback of course I thought it was going to be one of those like man this is why I held on to doing the podcast for five years of garbage time now it's like the big payoff 140 episodes in not jumping on the bandwagon getting what we deserve here finally an opportunity but here we are it feels exactly like watching a game from last year and it feels exactly like recording a podcast from last year when the Jets were you know, five and three or something, and we're talking about like, well, Zach Wilson's not playing great, but the team is finding a way to win against these bad teams and pulling off a win here and there. And if they could, who knows, maybe playoffs are in the mix. That's exactly where we're at right now. And the Zach Wilson play that we saw in this game doesn't give us any reason to be optimistic that there's going to be a great season ahead for him. I think he's improved. I think he's getting better in certain aspects of his game, but we're looking at another season like last year where we're going to be scratching and clawing to try to win these games hoping for one or two big plays on special teams, defense, passing game, a Brees Hall broken touchdown. We're going to be like, man, if we could just get one of those things, we could win. I think that's going to be the case a lot of weeks. I think Zach Wilson's going to make us want to pull our hair out at times, but he also is the best option that we have right now, and everybody's looking for a second option of, like, what else can we do? There are people that we can bring in for sure, and there are ways that Joe Douglas and the team can navigate around the Zach Wilson issue and especially the Tim Boyle issue behind him. And I'm sure we're going to do something. But, like, we did shoot our shot, and that was Aaron Rodgers. Every team, you know, the team that has 
Kirk Cousins or someone behind him isn't just a Joe Burrow waiting on oh, all that doesn't work. We'll just put another guy and you don't have you. We had our team made. It was with Aaron Rodgers. It didn't work out. We got screwed. Sometimes when your plan falls apart, and you get super unlucky. There's only so much you can do to fix it. And Zach Wilson's the best option that we have on the roster, of course, right now, because Tim Boyle is not really a viable NFL quarterback from anything that we've seen. And uh, they'll bring somebody in. Don't expect it to be a game changer. But do expect decent quarterback play, be it from Zach or somebody else, just decent quarterback play, C-plus to C-level quarterback play, to be enough for this Jets team to win a good amount of games. Now, the Dallas Cowboys game was not one of them. The Jets lose 10-30. to 30. The Cowboys are 2-0, and and the Cowboys look like one of the best teams in the league. They played our New York brethren, the New York Giants, last week in MetLife Stadium, and they won 40-0. to zero. It was an absolute shit show for the Giants. We didn't do nearly that bad playing in Arlington, 10 to 30. We lose by 20. The Jets were a little bit more hopeful than the Giants were against them, but the Cowboys have made both New York teams look absolutely foolish, um, specifically on offense. They've given up two, 10 points through two games, and they've put up 70 points. So they're feeling really good, and you can see why. They have some really, really good players on that team. Micah Parsons is one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL. He had his way with Dwayne Brown, with our defense, or with our offensive line, I mean. And then when you look at CeeDee Lamb, he had his way with our defense, just finding soft spots in the zone. He wasn't going up one-on-one man coverage against Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Not really what they do. He was finding the spots where they would release, let go, where he could find a gap in the coverage, pick up easy, big chunk plays time and time again. Just too easy for him, too easy for Dak. Great blocking from the offensive line of the Cowboys. It's a... Uh, It's a tough one to watch, and it's a tough one to review because there's not that much that you really want to dive into because it's just like, man, it's almost like a throwaway game. Let's move on past that one. Better days ahead. When you look at the offensive issues in this one, I think the biggest thing comes down to the play count. And the big thing for the Jets is they were 1 for 10 on third down. So what that means is by the end of the game, they had 46 total plays to the Dallas Cowboys, 83. At one point in the game, I believe it was 50 plays for the Cowboys to 13 for the Jets. So when you don't have the ball and you can't convert on third downs and you're trying punt formation sneaks with Ashton Davis to try to just keep the ball in your possession, whatever it takes, just like another chance, it's not going to go well for you. You need to have the ball. You need to give Brees carries. You need to give Dalvin Cook and Garrett Wilson the ball in their hands and let them do what they do best. But everybody's complaining Brees didn't get enough carries. Garrett Wilson didn't get enough catches. The team didn't have enough plays. I mean, Dalvin Cook had, what, four carries also? The team's running back room had 10 total. Brees is on a pitch count. He's not going to get all of the carries. You're not going to get him to 10. All of a sudden, the game is close or something. You're like, oh, we can't run him anymore. If he was on pace for, you know, 10 to 13 like last week, an even split with Dalvin Cook makes sense. We just didn't have opportunities to really run. Garrett Wilson, I'm sure he'd like the ball more. Garrett Wilson is playing absolutely out of his mind, but we can't get the ball to him because either... Defenses are watching him very, very closely, or Zach Wilson is pressured way too quickly to get the ball to him, or Zach Wilson's off-target throw it to him. And in one situation in this game, Garrett Wilson dropped a ball. So a lot of bad stuff going on there. Randall Cobb, Mecole Hardman, C.J. Uzoma are all absent from this offense entirely. Irvin Charles, Jason Brownlee, they're not part of the mix. Xavier Gibson, he's not an offensive piece. The only players that are really playing on the offense for the Jets are Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall are making the big plays. 
Dalvin Cook is doing an okay job when he holds on to the football. Tyler Conklin gets his opportunities here and there. And Alan Lazard gets his opportunities here and there. And that's about it through two games so far. Garrett Wilson had the only great play in this game, a 68-yard massive touchdown. He is our offensive player of the game. Absolutely, because he's one of those guys that when things are dark and like nothing is moving, you can find the way to get the ball in his hands, and even though it's just a 10-yard screen pass, he can break the thing for a 70-yard touchdown. He's gotten only a few tosses this year, and he's found a way to make some pretty incredible things happen in minimal opportunities. And without that big touchdown, the Jets are looking at what scored three points. He picked up that whole touchdown drive in one play. He's our offensive player of the game because he was the offense for the Jets in this game as far as that single touchdown goes. But everybody else, you know, when Brees Hall is taken out and Garrett Wilson, you know, aside from that play, is taken out, there's not a lot going for the offense and the offensive players. And another big part of that, another big issue for this team right now is the offensive line. You look through the starting five that we have right now, which felt like it could be an okay unit going into the season with them all being healthy. You look at it now and you see the other side. Dwayne Brown is old and can hardly move. Micah Parsons absolutely schooled him, wrecked him all over the field time and time again, going inside, outside, disengaging, everything. Lakin Tomlinson appears confused more often than he seems composed, and he's not super athletic. Connor McGovern isn't quite strong enough. ABT's missing more blocks than ever. And Mekhi Becton still gets surprised by things. Like, he still, like, sometimes gets caught out of position, and guys can have their way with him. He gets, like, you know, caught in a spot where it's like, oh, shoot, he got his foot here, and the guy, done. Now he gets to have to get a penalty or give up a sack. He had two or three penalties in this game. A lot of them are pre-snap, but, you know, just not great from him there. And the team overall had four turnovers. Three interceptions thrown and a fumble. It was a messy offensive showing across the board. There are a few positives that I can take away from the offense. When you look at it, two weeks into the season, we've played two of the best defenses in the league. The Bills are very, very good. That's a steady unit that's been there for a long time and got a lot of players back this season. We were able to do enough to win that game. The Dallas Cowboys are easily one of the hardest teams for the Jets to face this entire year. Huge mismatch for us because when you look at the offensive line, it's a lot of slow guys, especially on the left side, and they have, like, the fastest pass rusher in the entire league in Micah Parsons, and that's just, like, a game wrecker in itself. Trayvon Diggs looks for big plays and always seems to find them. Zach Wilson is one to turn the ball over and give it away. So their knack for getting turnovers, our knack for giving turnovers, their knack for getting after the passer, our lack of blocking for the passer. It created the perfect storm, and, you know, it could have been expected. I didn't think that we would do much on offense. I just thought we'd be able to do a little bit more on defense. Other positives, I mean, Brees Hall is just getting better, and we've seen him in each game break a couple nice runs. He only had four runs in this game. One of them was for nine yards, but you saw it in that nine-yard carry. Like, ooh, okay, there's that little pop. Brees Hall is an offensive playmaker. Keep getting him the ball. I do think Zach Wilson is getting slightly better at moving in the pocket, moving up, throwing the ball, a little bit more comfortable and composed. I don't think he's there at all, but I don't think he's nearly as frantic, chaotic, flushing out of the pocket, making bad decisions as he was last year. So if we can see that incremental improvement, especially against a good defense like the Bills, 
and the Cowboys will take it. We need, like I said, C, C-plus quarterback play. That's it. That's the requirement for this team to be successful. I have seen some pretty good running ability from Zach. It was really only on that one drive right before the two-minute warning where the Jets were trying to get some points before the half. And Zach Wilson actually tucked the ball down and ran a few times and picked up first downs. And when the pass rush comes past your guys and everybody's moving upfield towards the quarterback, if he can move up in the pocket and then sometimes squirt, you know, to the left or right of the center, upfield, slide, not get hit, but pick up seven, eight, nine yards, that's fantastic for the team. And it also kind of reminds the defense, hey, maybe don't pin your ears back and just go sprinting upfield so fast. Have a little bit of a responsibility, you know, lane integrity and hold your ground a little bit because we're getting eaten alive if the guy keeps squirting up the field like that. We've seen quarterbacks do that to the Jets before. It'd be nice to see Zach Wilson do it a little bit more, but at least it was on display for that one drive. I think another positive is like Mekhi Becton's not playing perfect. His big issues in this game were penalties, but he is playing healthy and he is playing better than probably a lot of us expected him to play at this point in the 2023 season. So I think there's some positives there. He's a very important player, and if he can keep building on it and getting better, and Elijah Vera Tucker gets some of his stuff worked out, and eventually we roll in Joe Tipman, there is a scenario where this offensive line kind of starts to come together. But it starts with Mekhi Becton. It starts with AVT. Those guys kind of have to hold it down right now, and we'll see if they can do that against the Patriots. And then overall, I think the vibe within the team, like Garrett Wilson, what he's saying, what the players are saying in interviews, for the most part, is still remaining positive. And it should. It's only week two, and the Jets are one and one, with one of the best records in the AFC after beating a division Buffalo Bills team. So we should be somewhat positive. But if you look on Twitter, you look all over the boards and forums and stuff, Jets fans, it feels like the sky is falling right now because of the way that I think that it really is just the emotional feeling of it looking like last year and like man we're right back where we were just struggling to score points and just so useless on offense even though we have these players if we could just get it to them and have a competent offensive game just picking up third downs and make a defense just hesitate for a minute in stacking the box and rushing Zach Wilson maybe but we're so far from that it feels like that uh, it can be frustrating but you got to keep in mind this team is one and one there's a lot of positivity within the locker room, at least at this point in time. And just because a lot of people think that it's over and we're screwed, the team hasn't gotten there yet. And as long as they can rally and find a couple more wins, they're going to bring all the fans back who just go up and down and up and down with whatever's going on with the team. Just stay resilient like they are. They're uh, they're saying the right things, at least right now. We'll see what happens with the Patriots game upcoming. That could create a lot of further animosity from the fans specifically. Maybe some players as well, but... Long season to go. So that is my offensive positives, my offensive concerns and issues. Garrett Wilson, player of the game in this one. Before we go to the defensive side of the ball in the Cowboys game, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. And I just opened a Juice Lord by Lord Hobo, which is an India Pale Ale, 6%. It's pretty bitter. It's kind of like an old-school New England IPA before they got, like, super sweet and zesty. You know, like um, like a sip of sunshine or something that was originally, like, that first hazy New England IPA that everyone was going after as an 8% beer. But then you drink it now, and you're like, that's ah, kind of dark in terms of color, and it's, like, a little bit more bitter, not as hazy a lot of the new stuff. 
And this one was, at the time, a little juicier, as they call it, than like a sip of sunshine. So they called it a juice lord. But this has been out for a very long time. Made by Lord Hobo. It was like one of the original juicy beers back when I was getting kind of obsessed with finding beers like that. They made this one and one called Boom Sauce that were kind of early adopters of that style. IPA, double IPA, high alcohol. It's still solid. As time went on, I looked for like hazier and hazier, sweeter and fluffier. And then I kind of got to a point where I was like, all right, they're getting a little bit too sweet. Companies are adding in like lactose to try to make them look better and look hazier and stuff. And you're like, all right, what the heck is going on? This is getting a little weird. This Juice Lord at 6% alcohol, it's a tried and true. I think it's a classic, hard to find kind of, but it's a good beer. It's nice to go back to the classics. They're still making them. And uh, yeah, Juice Lord by Lord, Lord Hobo. That is this week's What's on Tap. Now, before we go to the defensive side of the ball, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Live. The next order of business after talking about the offense is to talk about the defense. And the defense in this one was probably more frustrating than the offense because going into the game, I could say, yeah, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Trevon Diggs and a lot of those defensive players the Cowboys have can make big plays, and they'll probably make it really hard in the Jets' offense and defense. My prediction for the game was 13-16. to 16. I did not think the Jets were going to be scoring a ton, but I thought we would score a little bit. When it comes to the defensive side of the ball, I really thought we were going to be able to keep the Cowboys in check. If we could stop Tony Pollard, who I thought the Jets would do very well against, and they did do pretty well, we could get Dak Prescott a little bit uncomfortable. Our strength on the defensive line would beat the strength of the Cowboys' offensive line, make Dak Prescott uncomfortable, make him make a few mistakes, cover C.D. Lamb. thought we'd be in good shape. What I didn't consider is that their offensive line would pretty much stifle the Jets' defensive line. We only sacked Dak Prescott a single time in this game, and we didn't get a lot of pressure on him. It took a pretty long time before we were even getting hits on him, and when we were early in the game, it was personal fouls that were extending their drives, helping them score points. Dak Prescott was so comfortable in this game, he threw 82% completion percentage, which is crazy high. We get happy when a Jets quarterback throws 60%. We're like, wow, that's a pretty efficient game. Look at this. Some growth. Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott against this amazing Jets defense that we think we have through 82%. C.D. Lamb was a weapon all over the field, getting over 140 receiving yards on 11 catches and doing it all over the field. Screen passes, down the field, yards after catch, left side, right side, middle of the field, you name it. He was finding ways. They didn't have Brandon Cooks in this game. Michael Gallup was a non-factor. The real weapon in this one was C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott finding him. And it didn't come down to, like, bad coverage from Sauce Gardner or DJ Reed. It didn't come down to people just blowing assignments and stuff. It was really just schemed in appropriately by Mike McCarthy to find the soft spots in the Jets' defensive zones, which we know we have every single year. And they executed it to perfection, time and time again. They came into this game prepared to play against the Jets' defense the way that the Jets play. We weren't able to adapt. We weren't able to stop it. And they put up 30 points on us. It doesn't help that we have three interceptions thrown, fumble the ball away, give them opportunities, and then can't convert any third downs. We just gave them the ball back over and over again. But man, I thought the defense was going to look better. We didn't force a single turnover in this game. Nothing. One sack is all we had. 
Defensively, it was just like getting picked apart, hoping that maybe we'd make a tackle before they get to the first down marker, and then like maybe we could force a punt. And even that was difficult. I think that we're seeing a way that teams can beat the Jets, and we're going to have to find a way to counter that. It's getting to the kill zone. It's being faster in the defensive side of the ball, getting to those soft zones, filling the space, making big hits, and then forcing turnovers. If we can do that moving forward, we can do enough to win games. We have to score a little bit as well. But they had a great scheme against us. I hope the Patriots don't do the same thing. I think Dak Prescott's kind of built for that style of play. Just like, take it easy. Don't do too much. Just throw short little passes. He can do that pretty well. It's when he starts getting cocky, starts getting pressured or flushed, that he starts struggling. And he didn't even have to try any of that stuff in this game. We also had way too many missed tackles. I mean, what is going on? We've got missed tackles from Tony Adams, from Brandon Eccles, Quincy Williams. All over the field, guys are just missing tackles. Opportunities to get guys down. They're picking up five, six, seven extra yards. And if we can stop them earlier, we can get off the field faster, get the ball back in our offense's hands faster, and give more opportunities to Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, who will eventually break something big. That's what we got to do, but we got to tackle. I think Carl Lawson seems a step behind. He was back for the first time this week. Didn't look good at all to me. And to take him back onto the active roster, they had to make another guy inactive. This week it was Will McDonald. And that's kind of weird to me. That the Jets in the top 20 of the draft this year are going to draft a defensive lineman, a position that is probably a luxury for this team. And it's such a luxury that with everybody healthy right now, he's a healthy scratch. We don't even need the guy. And I understand, absolutely I understand, the need for the Jets to have a strong defensive line, the need for us to create pressure, and the fact that we have expiring contracts for guys like Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers. And we have to make sure that we don't spend $25 million on a good, effective pass rusher like other teams are doing right now. I get all that. You get that nice rookie contract, you can hold on to a good defensive edge rusher, have the system that you want to have without breaking the bank. But for crying out loud, the guy's not even needed. There are so many first-round talents in this draft that we could use right now that would help this team to find a way to win a game. And we're healthy scratching our first overall pick, our first-round pick. Really, none of that draft class is doing anything. We're not seeing Zaire Barnes, Jerick Bernard Converse. We're not seeing Joe Tipman play. No Izzy Abanaconda. Carter Warren's not playing. That draft class right now is a non-factor. Where last year, the, defense, or the, the rookie class was Sauce Gardner and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. And it was the reason that we were rocking Michael Clemens. Now, we're not getting anything out of this draft class, and we're going to have to start. I know it's early in the year, and they are rookies, so like, give them some time. I think at this point last year, we probably thought Garrett Wilson was okay, and Sauce was going to be good. But then, all of a sudden, it's like, holy smokes, these guys are better than we thought. That can happen for our players, but they have to get on the field. They have to play. And if Carl Lawson's not doing well enough, you hope Will McDonald gets in there. Another player I'm not pleased with, Tony Adams. We were sold all offseason that Tony Adams was having a great training camp. I didn't go to the training camps myself. Shame on me for believing the beat reporters who were like, oh, watch out for Tony Adams. He's a real X factor in this Jets defense. He's going to be a real name to watch. I think that they just thought he was that, not by anything they'd seen from him, but just the fact that he was going to be the starter. Once they found out Tony Adams is going to start at safety, they're like, oh, being on the field means opportunities. Opportunities in a great defense, he's going to look really good. They didn't consider the fact that he's just not very good at football at this point in time. 
No offense to Tony Adams. I like him. I'm rooting for him. I think he can get better. But I wasn't wowed by him last year. And this year, he's missing tackles. Horrible pursuit angles. The first game, specifically against the Bills, he missed like two or three tackles just taking Ashton Davis-type angles. And he gets injured in this game, hitting a guy low, always late to the plays, never really there in time. And I just don't know what we're supposed to be getting from him. Is he supposed to be a center fielder? Because he's not there breaking up the plays in the middle of the field. He's always a step late. Is he supposed to be able to tackle and have like this grit and energy and stuff? Because he's missing tackles. He doesn't pursue well. Either way, I'm just not pleased with him right now. We were sold something that we're not getting right now. So we'll see what he can do as time goes on. I think he's a little banged up right now. Him and Quincy Williams are both a little bit banged up from that game. Hopefully they're going to be all right for this game against the Patriots. I think Garrett Wilson's okay after his little injury scare, but... Yeah, we'll see what comes from that. I think we had really unlucky calls in this game. I was pissed with the refs, specifically that drive where we had two personal fouls. It's like, man, what do you expect from these guys? They're playing the game the right way. It's like a, it's not like a throw, boom, boom, hit. It's like a throw hit, and we're getting flagged for it, for hitting the guy a little low or hitting him just a, a hair late. I just, they were ticky-tack calls going against the Jets. Not a lot of ticky-tack calls going against the Cowboys in this game. That bummed me out. So that's a lot of the negatives for the defensive side of the ball. Talking positives because there are some positives. I'm stoked on Jermaine Johnson right now. His pass rush is pretty good, but his run defense is incredible. And me and my dad were watching the game um, with roommate Kyle this past weekend, and one of the things that stood out to us specifically is like the fact that when he lunges at a guy and like supermans his body and gets one arm on the offensive player with the ball, he somehow was able to like corral his whole body and use that one arm to pull the rest of his body in and then get both hands on it. Instead of like an arm tackle, his arm tackles become full wrap-ups. It's very crazy the way his like forearms stick to a guy like that and he ends up wrapping guys up all over the field in the run game. It's been super impressive, and I think that he's one of our best defensive players by far to start the season. I'm also really happy with John Franklin Myers. And the whole defensive line overall against the run. Because when you look at the Cowboys, I wasn't too nervous about Tony Pollard, but he did horrible in this game. Tony Pollard had 25 carries. They wanted to hammer the rock, and rightfully so. They were up by 20 by the end. But he had 72 yards, 2.9 yards per carry against the Jets team. Nothing, nothing going for Tony Pollard. The whole team ran 44 times for 134 yards, 3.0 yards per carry. The Jets' defensive line is, is good at stopping the run right now. It's just we have to find ways to get pressure more frequently. I think speed can be an issue. Carl Lawson's not the fastest. John Franklin Myers, Michael Clemens, Al Woods. A lot of these players, Solomon Thomas, are not the fastest players. Bryce Hall comes in in obvious passing situations where they know to look out for him. Jermaine Johnson is that one guy that's like really, really fast. And Will McDonald, I mean, I'd like to get him on the field too. A guy that can be really fast and get after a quarterback that can't escape a pass rush that fast. And then Quinn is obviously, like, for his position and his size, he's incredibly fast. So we just have to be a little more consistent. And like I said, we're not going to play the Cowboys defense every week. We're also not going to play the Cowboys offensive line every week. So better days ahead. The defensive player of the game in this one for me is Quinn and Williams because he's just better than everybody else on the other team, always. 
In this game, he was matched up to start against the left guard, Chuma Adoga. They tried to, like, sell it as a, uh, who was it? It's, um, God, his, his name is Zach Martin. They're like, oh, it's going to be a Quinn Williams versus Zach Martin game. It's like, the hell are you talking about? He's lined up against Chuma Adoga on the right side over and over, or the left side of the offensive line, over and over. And Chuma Adoga was pulled in this game for an elbow injury, which I think we all think was just bruised ego. And they had to put in Bass, their backup offensive lineman, to see if he could do a better job against Quinnen. Quinnen feasted. Six tackles, two tackles for loss. He drew a holding penalty. I mean, he was one of the only guys, him and Jermaine Johnson, that I thought like consistently were doing great things on the defensive line and defense in general. He was awesome. Quinnen Williams is the best player on the entire team. Like, week in, week out. You can say Garrett Wilson's great, but Garrett Wilson relies on other people to get him the ball. Quinnen Williams can just do it himself. He can just break through double blocks. He can just get to the backfield. He can make plays. I love him. I think overall, um, two other guys that I kind of liked in this game, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. You could look at the numbers and say, CD Lamb feasted. But when you really watch it back, which unfortunately I did, ugh, God, um, <laughs> CD Lamb was just finding soft spots in the zone. And that's not on Sauce Gardner. That's not on DJ Reed. That's just scheming up CD Lamb to the right spot. I think that DJ Reed has made some nice coverage plays. I think Sauce has made some nice tackles. He did have a couple little soft plays, especially in week one. But in this week, he made a couple nice tackles, brought a couple guys down. And Sauce almost had that pick six. I mean, he jumped a route just right, and he dropped the ball, and it would have been clear as day pick six. He even said to Dak Prescott at the end of the game that he was thinking touchdown before the ball even got there. But the fact that he can make those plays and get out and get in position like that, jump her out that quickly, have it hit him in the hands, that's a good sign for us. And he'll make that play next time. He'll catch it, and he will score. And there's big plays ahead for the Jets. Just didn't happen in this game. Perfect storm for the Cowboys. I'm glad this one's out of the way. And I'm glad that they're an NFC team and one of the least important and significant teams to lose to. So that's the defensive side of the ball. Talking special teams real quick. Greg the Leg was injured in this game. He was inactive, didn't play, so we bring in Austin Seibert, who was kicked around the league, most notably for the Cleveland Browns. He's appeared in 30 games. He has never missed a kick under 39 yards. He's also never made a kick more than 52 yards. So he's like, all accuracy close, no distance. In this game, he had one opportunity for a 34-yard kick. He made it, stayed perfect from under 39. He made an extra point. If he's back for next week and we don't have Zach, uh, or if we don't have uh, Greg Zerline against the Patriots, just keep in mind Austin Seibert, not a long distance kicker. He's a close range, accurate guy. Got to get in there. We're not going to be expecting him to kick 56 yarders to win us the game. We're going to need Greg for that. Morstead showed a decent leg once or twice, a little bit further than I expected at this stage in his career. I've kind of been, kind of been trashing his overall power because he's an older punter and he's got good accuracy. He's consistent, doesn't have a huge cannon leg. He had a couple nice deep punts in this one. Xavier Gibson had one opportunity, returned it for seven yards. Was hopeful that something big would happen there, but this was one of those games. Ashton Davis had that play he did last year, a uh, like a direct snap to him on a little delayed run in the punt formation. Runs it on fourth and one, picks up four yards. Nice play from him. It's the second time he's run it, and hey, I've wanted Ashton Davis to be a standout special teams player for years, and now he's finally starting to get a little bit more going, a little bit more activity in there. But he's not our special teams player of the game. Believe it or not, the special teams player of the game in this one for me 
is Justin Hardy. And you're thinking to yourself, Justin Hardy, what did he do in this game? When you look at Justin Hardy, he was gunning and getting down the field extremely fast and very successfully time and time again. And he almost got flagged for a penalty once or twice in this game. But the Dallas Cowboys had no punt returns. Even though the Jets were punting over and over, at least five times in this game, Jets were punting, the Cowboys had no returns. And the reason is because Justin Hardy was consistently the gunner that was down the field, and Turpin for the Cowboys was fair catching over and over again. No opportunity, didn't even try once. Just said, nope, this isn't an opportunity for me. Gunner's coming, fair catch. And when you can do that for an entire game and make sure that the return man can't even get five, six, seven yards on a return, that just helps your team, the field position. I was impressed with Justin Hardy, our special teams ace, our special teams captain. That's what you want to see from your gunners. It's not a flashy play, but it makes a big difference, and he was the guy doing it. So he is our special teams player of the game. That is our special teams. That is our Dallas Cowboys loss. 10 to 30 in Dallas. Move that one out of the way. We can forget it. And we can set our sights on New England in week three. I'm going to do a Patriots preview episode coming out on Thursday morning at 5 a.m. So if you want to hear how the New York Jets can try to beat them, you want to hear a father time from my dad on what he thinks the Jets need to do to win that game, tune in. It's been a long time since we beat the Patriots. This would be a huge one for us to go to 2-1, and one, to be 2-0 and oh in the division. Beating the Patriots for the first time in 14 games, whew, it would be special. And this is the MetLife game. A big opportunity for Zach Wilson, for the defense, for the Jets, to get that monkey off the back, to move this team, to win the fans back at this point in time at the season. A lot of good things to come. Tune into that podcast episode coming up. Other than that, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast wherever they're found. Follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan. That's all I got for you. Brighter days ahead. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 